This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed by Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, touching Peter Pollitt, hugging Paul McGowan, or we take a look at the new Scotland squad. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street, episode 131. George Cran here in the hot seat this week. And this might be the first of those 131 episodes where we actually have happy folk on both sides of the street. I mean, it certainly doesn't happen very often, or not since we've been doing the podcast anyway. Uh, Dundee United came away with an impressive victory at Cup Hogging St Johnston. Well, Dundee earned a deserved point and an end-to-end affair with Hibs, both on Sunday. Uh, on top of all that, some United fans got to touch Peter Pollitt. And uh, some Dundee fans got a wee hug from Paul McGowan as the two of them celebrated wildly in the crowd, which is good to see, I have to say. Uh, all love on the street this week. Um, as you could probably guess, Calm's not here this week uh, with me doing the, the main bit of the talking, unfortunately. Um, so we'll not have any Paisley banter. We'll not have any love for St Mirren. Uh, so hopefully we'll get more listeners this week. I don't know. But uh, stepping in for Caldo to cover United this week has been Alan Temple. Uh would like to say Alan has joined the Twa teams lads this afternoon. How's things at Alan? Uh, big shoes to fill with Callum away. You feeling the pressure? Oh, absolutely. I'll I'll try my best to represent for Paisley alone. I'm not sure I really bring the, the required expertise in that regard. But <laughs> no, good, good weekend from a Dundee United perspective and plenty to plenty to blether about. And for once, uh, Graham Finnan hasn't joined Callum on his holidays this week. Uh, it seemed to be a regular <laughs> occurrence over the past the past year. But he's here to give us the uh, the weekly weather report. How's things with yourself there? What are you trying to say, George? <laughs> I think me and Calm go away together all the time. No, no. Well, no, I'm no. sure that the last two times you've left me on uh, my Todd. I'm left sure. you in the lurch, I will. Ah, okay. okay. No, I'm here. Mate, I'm jealous. still here uh, for the foreseeable future anyway, and certainly for the next hour or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the weather front, it's fantastic again. The, you know, the, 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 the autumn heat wave continues and it looks like it's going to last well into the weekend. So hopefully the... You know the the good uh, performances and and uh, uh, displays by both teams will continue over the weekend because we've got uh, lots to talk about over the next sixty minutes or so. On that note, we'll start with uh, down the road at McDermott Park as United came home with a one nil scoreline and three points in their pocket. Uh, Alan, you, you were there for us, uh, seeing the game. What did you think of Dundee United this week? Yeah, there was a lot to like about the performance. I think it has to be said, St. Johnston weren't at their best. Callum Davidson said himself that they were off it, I think as his words were. And I think that kind of sums it up. They didn't quite have the the, the requisite kind of snap and, and physicality and just tempo that they, they sometimes have. But in the spirit of you can only beat what's in front of you, Dundee United did exactly that. They had a really nice shape about them. Um, I thought Nicky Clark in behind... Mark McNulty, um, both players playing in a more central role than they were ever able to really play together um, under Mickey Mellon. They dovetailed really well. That was nice. There was a lot to like about that. And Dylan Levitt played as if 
He's been in that Dundee United team for the last 10 years. Just what a cool, calm, composed midfield pivot. Really tidy footballer. Um, and when you look at the fact that you've still got you know players to add to that, um, Ilmari Niskanen still to come in, um, there's a sense of, you know, whisper it, real positivity about Tam Quartz's Dundee United right now. And it felt like felt like a big day as well in terms of the, the travelling support. It was loud, it was boisterous, the sun was out, 3,000 fans there from a Dundee United perspective and the reception that they gave every player and and the manager um, at the end of that was was raucous and you know there's been there was so much talk before a ball was kicked this season and was the manager the right man, were the fans behind them? Well now the season's underway the people in place are the people in place and now it's just about getting behind the team and you can see now the fans are doing that and why wouldn't you? I mean, the man's, albeit it took penalties to get past there, the man has won all but one of his matches in charge, uh, including beating the current champions of Scotland. So you can't ask for much more right now from a from a Dundee United perspective. Well, exactly on that note. Um, I mean, in terms of the penalty uh, six says, I count that as a win. That's a win in my book. So <laughs> that goes uh, seven wins from eight now for Tam Courts. Bear. I mean, we've talked a fair bit about the there was doubts when he got the job and and how it's received and kind of how it, it happened. But I mean, do you feel like he's, he's proven people wrong? I mean, you can't argue with his his um, record so far, and it. The negative was maybe some of the performances, but Sunday seemed mm-hmm. to change that. No, you certainly can't argue with his record. I mean, he's, he's sitting on six points from three games and three games against uh, three teams who finished in the top six last season. So, you know, he, he started tremendously well. Um, has he proved it out as wrong? In my mind, he should have, but you, you still get the feeling that there's still a few people out there, you know, just waiting, just waiting for him to slip up so they could, they can, you know, jump on his case. But at this point in time, he's doing a, he's doing a fantastic job, and he's going along quietly. And I like the way he's going about his business, uh, George. He's not, you know, he's he's not shooting from the rooftops when they win, and, and equally when when they lose a game, you know, he's staying calm and collected, and that's a good thing. A good thing to have as a manager, and it's a, it's a sort of. You know, it's a, it's a level headedness that he's going to need, and, and a calmness he's going to need throughout the season because there are going to be, you know, dips in, in form and times when he's, he's maybe going to have to dig a bit deeper than he is at the moment. But as things stand, things are going along very, very nicely. A terrific performance, and you know, one against St Johnston. You know, you, you can say that the Saints have were a wee bit off, it and maybe there are excuses for that. But that's not Dundee United's problem. Exactly. You know, you just yeah. you just look after your own team. Um, and, and they went out there, and United had a few of their, their own issues as well, which will probably come on to you know in, in terms of personnel. But you know, I, I never saw the, the full ninety minutes. I saw the highlights. I didn't see much of Dylan Levitt in, in the highlights. But Alan, you were there, and, and you know, you certainly were very impressed by him. And if he can come in and, and, and be that sort of pivotal midfielder that United have maybe been looking for, and he's hit the ground running straight away at St Johnson, then that's a real plus for him. One thing I would say. Uh, about United, I had a wee look at the team lineup, and, and it was it was pretty solid. And but when you look at the bench, it does look a wee bit lightweight in terms of what they've got there in, in terms of experience. Um, now, obviously, this week Peter Paul will be suspended. You, you did have Mark Reynolds on there, but he doesn't have much there in the background to call on at this point in time. And I, I still think they could do with one or two more new faces in it. Tarnish. Now, whether that happens before the transfer window closes, we'll have to wait and see. 
But I just think that they're maybe lacking just a wee bit more um, in, in terms of you know strength and depth to their squad. So it would maybe be good to see one or two coming in. But at this point in time, the fans will be absolutely delighted the way thing, things are going. And, and long may it continue for Tam Courts and Dundee United. And on Dylan Levitt, Alan, he, he's a, a player I, I knew his name. Uh, I uh, always thought he was a, an attacking midfielder. I obviously, come from Manchester United. There's a certain level of expectation coming in on loan uh, up here. Whereabouts did he play? And you mentioned that you're impressed with him, but his overall game was he, is he a, a kind of playmaker type or is he a, a possession based midfielder that kind of gets things started from further back? Well, that was the interesting thing before the game is there was a lot of debate whether he would play as a sort of number 10 or mm. in a deeper role. And he was he was basically the deepest of Dundee United's midfielders. And I can understand what, what Bear's saying there about the fact that he wasn't front and centre of the highlights packages because he absolutely wouldn't have been. He was basically the, the deep-lying playmaker starting all the attacks. But it was a case of take possession, recycle it wisely and look to make a forward pass. It was as simple as that, but that done well is such an important role in a football team that no player, uh, well, sorry, no midfielder on the pitch made more passes than Dylan Levitt on Sunday. So, you know, he kept the, the ball circulating, he kept Dundee United in control and in possession and he just, he's just a very classy young footballer and that's with two training sessions at the time under his belt. So he wouldn't have as good a knowledge of where his teammates will be, where, you know, his passing lanes, things like that, that he will have going forward. So it's a really exciting prospect in terms of how much better he could still get. But no, I was I was really impressed. There was a sort of, um, uh, there was a good link up with Jando Fuchs as well. You know, the, he was doing a lot of um, the physicality beside Dylan Levitt, which then gives him the space to to operate. And I just think there's a there's a really nice sort of um, um, base midfield two there to to build on for Dundee United. And um, yeah, there's there's something I don't know what the phrase is. A sort of beautiful simplicity about the way Dylan Levitt, <laughs> Levitt played his football on on Sunday. You know, there's something admirable about just doing the basics really, really well, and how important that can be to a, a team's overall performance. Yeah, every time I see Yando Fuchs. It strikes me as it's going to be such an important player this season. Terrific player. For United in the, in the way they go about things. Another uh, important player has obviously been Benjamin Segrist. They've got, well, we're hoping it's not as bad news as people are, are thinking. I mean, what's What was the update from him at the weekend that Tam Course was speaking after the game, wasn't he? It was very peculiar, yeah. He, he's, you know, he said it was too early to talk about things like a ruptured ACL, uh, as had been the the rumours doing around on social media. But you know, he didn't sound like it was an inconsequential injury. I think mm-hmm. he, he used the phrase something along the lines of, "It's you know, it, it's an injury that will keep him out for longer than days, shall we say?" Which uh, you know was seemed to be a kind of a a verbal nod and a wink towards a, a, a an issue that's slightly longer than that. The fact that. Um, as as Tam Courts explained, he went down with no one near him in training. There was it was seemingly innocuous. That is always 
the ones where you set the alarm bells ringing. You know, if if you go down and there's not been any contact, then it really it's always a, a sign for worry. Um, I mean, we did get in touch with Dundee United throughout this week, as we do every day, and and we were told that it would be kind of later this week or perhaps even into next week before we get an absolutely thorough diagnosis and time frame for going forward. So um, there's still that uncertainty hanging in the air, but fingers and everything are crossed for for Benji Seagrass because it's just, it's horrible for everybody. I mean, it's horrible for Dundee United because he's such a good goalkeeper. It's horrible for the people that run Dundee United because he's a, you know, he's such an important asset to the club now as the transfer window approaches. But more than all of that, it's just horrible for the, the boy himself. You know, he missed the tail end of last season with an injury. And if he misses a long period of this season and the last year of his contract when he could have perhaps got a, a big move in the next couple of days, it's just... Yeah, it's a, a real shame. So fingers crossed that it's not what um, many people fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they've just got good good times ahead of him. And having interviewed him myself, he can he's very nice guy. He's very calm when you speak mm-hmm. to him, and you can see that on the pitch as well. Bear, I mean, obviously we've talked about him a lot. There's a lot of expectations that he maybe leave this summer, but I mean, how how pick a blow? Alan's mentioned about the the asset that he is, and maybe he'd be he'd be looking to make a wee bit of money from him before he goes. But there's on the pitch as well, Bear. It's, it's hard to put words into how big a blow it is. That's our job, of course, to put words words into how big a blow it is uh, for Dundee United. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just a real real. Sickening, and it seems that the fact that it has happened on the training ground by all accounts, hopefully, sometimes these injuries, I think it's, we're still here, you know, this is Wednesday afternoon as we're doing this podcast and we're still waiting for news. Sometimes these injuries, before they can assess them, they need to let them settle down, there'll be a bit of swelling in there before they can actually get a proper scan so they can actually see what the problem is. So, fingers crossed when they do get the this, this scan, you know, it's it's not as bad as, as maybe we're painting it, but it definitely sounds like he's going to be out for a period of time and it's, it is a massive blow. There's no doubt about that because take Lauren Shankland out of the equation, Benjamin Segris, and you leave Lauren Shankland in the equation, Benjamin Segris has probably been Dundee United's best player over the last 18 months and, you know, I've run out of fingers to count the amount, the amount of points he's actually won for the team over that period and even even this season, you know, he's probably the man who got them through in the, in the last eight of the, the Premier Sports Cup, the man who managed to secure that victory against Rangers or certainly played a big part in that, you know, with, with his confidence and, you know, his assuredness in the back four. And, and the back four take confidence from that. Um, so, obviously, for the lad himself, it is, it is a, a massive blow. Um, and for Dundee United, as, as a team going forward, it's a massive blow. But also from the financial aspect of, you know, we've spoken about this on previous podcasts, there is no doubt in my mind that clubs have inquired about Benjamin Seagrass to see just how much... Dundee United um, would be prepared, you know, to, to hang out for, you know, in, mm. in terms of cash for to, to, to price him away from United. Now, obviously, the state of play with that is, <laughs> unfortunately for Benji and the club, uh, you know, no club is going to step in at this point in time. Um, the, the most important thing is that he gets him, himself back on the straight and narrow and gets himself fit again. He's, his contract is running down, though, so it'll be interesting to see where the club goes with that one. Obviously, um, will they do the same thing as they did, you know, with Dennis Mehmet, who was out injured for a long time and at that point in time, out of contract, and Dungeon United actually offered him a new contract to stay at the club, you know, while he got himself fit. So uh, let, let's let's see what happens there. But it's also the case, does uh, Tam Courts now 
obviously they've got Trevor Carson, who's uh, has already proved himself a more than capable deputy, uh, you know, as a number one. But does Tam Courts feel that he has to go out and and get another goalkeeper? Or does he rely on, as a young Jack Newman, who, who was on the bench at, at the weekend, you know, and do they rely on him coming in and if something were to happen at Trevor Carson and, and to carry the weight, you know, in, in the Premier League? Now, that's a big ask for a young a young man. Um, but it could also impact on where <laughs> Tam Courts have already spoken about, but he maybe he could bring in a few mm-hmm. other players. That could impact on what he's trying to do elsewhere. So it's a bit of a conundrum that he, he could have done without, but... Uh, I think the biggest thing I, 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 I'm really sort of disappointed and, you know, I feel for uh, Benjamin Seagreys because, you know, he's been absolutely outstanding um, over the past 18 months and there was big things ahead for him one way or another, whether that was at Dun United or, or a, a move elsewhere. And he's now just going to have to get his head around the fact that he's obviously going to have to, you know, get himself back fit again and get himself back uh, on, the, on the pitch showing what he can do. Yeah, that, that's obviously the... The kind of the big negative over the past week, but the it's been largely positive thanks to the the performance on Sunday. Um, one thing we we talked about a lot in this podcast last season, particularly under Mickey Mellon, was United's struggling to create chances, uh, and but it feels like with Adam Levitt and hopefully bringing in uh, Ilmari Niskanen, the uh, fin- Finnish winger, uh, if they can get all the paperwork sorted for him uh, Chalmers and uh, Perry to come back as well Alan, obviously you saw them at Aberdeen as well um, big big difference in the performance between that and, and Sunday but does it, were they a lot more um, productive in terms of creating chances on Sunday, does that feel like that's starting to, starting to turn? It looked like a team that had grown more accustomed and more aware of what their roles were within the performance. Mm-hmm. It's just that, I, I mean, it's funny when Bear's talking about how uh, Tam Quartz has dealt well with the, the negatives and the positives. Uh, I've probably written a fair amount of those negatives and those positives because after the Aberdeen game, I, I thought they were absolutely dreadful and wrote as much. But, you know, he's he, he dealt with that and, you know, took criticism and he saw the game the way he saw the game and you know life goes on and we've uh, you know we come to McDermott Park on on Sunday and it was not, it was a different team for me I, it was a, I thought they were um their their partnerships all over the pitch the movement the the way they built the play was just far more coherent than it was against Aberdeen where I thought they were really disjointed and and poor um, and yes I mean speaking specifically about the attack the thing that I'm really excited about and I kind of touched on it just in passing earlier is the fact that McNulty and Clark he appears to be trying to find, find a way that they can play in the same team but occupy central areas together um, Clark started in sort of number 10 role just behind McNulty but they, they kind of kept circulating, kept dovetailing but and despite that movement, neither of them shunted out to the wide areas. You know, they stayed relatively in central areas, linking up with each other. And that's where they both want to be. They're both mm-hmm. strikers. They both want to be in and around the box, creating chances. So, you know, don't even think about them as wide players, like Mickey Mellon intended to do. Just forget them. Don't even put them on your chalkboard as potential options to play wide. You know, bring in guys like Niskin and play Logan Chalmers. And Pollock can play over there. Uh, those are your options for the wide areas. And that seems to be the way 
Tim Courts is, is thinking at the moment. You know, he's he's bringing in wide players or utilising wide players in the wide areas, and he's playing his strikers as strikers. And that I think that's something to be excited about because you know this football lack isn't that difficult sometimes if you play <laughs> you know naturally attacking guys who like to get shots away and like to get in the six-yard box, you'll probably create more chances. And I think there was definitely signs of that against St. Johnston. And and there's still more to come. That's the exciting thing. You know, the progress Dundee United have made in the last three, four weeks, um, you would like to think that progress will be even more in the next four or five weeks. You know, so it's it's all stepping stones and it's uh, it's definitely a hell of a lot more positive than when I, I left the, the Granite City a while back. Yeah. I'm not sure they use chalkboard anymore at Tannadice. I know, I'm showing yeah. my age there, yeah. <laughs> I think, well, maybe that was the, what uh, Mickey Mellon fell down on last season. He was using outdated <laughs> technology, I don't know. Um, but no, one thing before we wrap up, we haven't mentioned Peter Pollitt, who's obviously a, a key part of uh, Sunday's game. Um, scoring, the, scoring the goal, it was a lovely setup by Nicky Clark. Um, and as he mentioned, that. I think with McNulty and Clark, they're both really clever players. I think that I think they'll work well together. But in terms of Pollitt, yeah, eventful second half I mean, at at the ground, Alan. It's it's easy to see these things on the TV sometimes. But how did you you take the the two bookings and well, you could have had another one in the middle, couldn't you? Yeah, the first booking uh, is a booking. It's a you know it's mean spirited, isn't it? You know it's it's you can um, tell that. I don't think referee Don Robertson actually wanted to book him. I yeah, think exactly. On the screen, but it's you know it's just that it's just something they literally have to do. The referee will get carpeted if he doesn't give a booking for that, and particularly in the current um, social and health climate, um, whilst we might be down to level zero, I'm not sure they want footballers jumping in with punters just <laughs> at this stage in the recovery process. Um, so I think yeah, that was always going to to happen. Um, the you know the the foul you allude to. Between the bookings, I think that was perhaps the most nailed on booking of the lot. And um, I think he got let off because of the the nature of the first yeah, booking. And um, but the dive in the stadium, I thought he was clipped. Um, I've looked at it a million times since, and I still can't decide whether or not the, because you know when you are running full flight, it just does take a clip to maybe knock you off your stride. But what I would say is I don't think Peter does himself any favours with the, the the way he maybe goes down and the slightly belated nature in, in which he goes down. Um, so it's just one of those things. You see it a million times. No one deserves to be crucified either way about it. So, um, But yeah, I think it's more you know, Dundee United's decision not to appeal that. I think it would be fair to say that's more to do, down with more to do with them thinking they won't win the appeal rather than them actually believing their player mm. dived um, because the weight of um, the weight of evidence required to overturn a decision is quite strong. Um, and having seen that footage so many times, I think the Scottish FA independent panel could get away with saying there's there's just not enough to overturn it in terms of the weight of evidence. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a it was a borderline one. But as we say, with the foul that came just before it, maybe you know maybe the red card was just about justified. <laughs> Obviously, he'll be missing for the weekend against Hearts. Bear Robbie Nielsen's first return. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll be in the opposite dugout. Do you expect him to get a good reception from the United fans? 
It's, it's going to be very, very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very, I'm very not interesting. Him I mean, to get a good reception. Well, like uh, but I mean, that's a strange one. I mean, the last thing he did was win the title for Dundee United. For I know, goodness sake. <laughs> surely, surely, goodness, he's not going to come out of the tunnel and Dundee United fans are going to start slating him. <laughs> you know, it just seems ridiculous. You know, I know he is now up to up sticks and, and gone to hearts, but. They never ever got the chance to actually celebrate that title win. So the fact that he's coming back, for, you know, and amongst the fans, and he, he's going to get pelter seems a wee bit, a wee bit harsh to me. Um, but whatever happens, Robbie Nielsen's thick-skinned enough to take it, isn't he? You know, it's uh, yeah. it's. I'll be interested to see how it, how it goes. You know, but he had a setup for an absolute ding dong game. That's for sure. That's for sure. Hearts coming to town. They'll bring you know, a, a really healthy support through to, to Dundee and United will have a huge backing as well because they've started the season so well. So it's going to be an absolute cracking match. So the atmosphere will be fantastic. And, and you know, and, and Robbie Nielsen will be will be caught up in, in amongst it, you know, like, like everyone else. And it's another real test, you know, of, of Dundee United's credentials. This season, Hearts will offer something completely different to... Um, what St Johnston offered, not sort of taking away anything from St Johnston, but uh, you know Hearts will, will 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 think they can come up to Tannis and get the points, and Robbie will, will be desperate to do just that. You know, regardless of the fact that you know this is his former club, he'll be he'll be out to show that you know he, he's still sort of the number one manager. You know, at Tannis on the day, so uh, I, I'm sure it's, it's going to be except for except for a crack in ninety minutes. But I think the game, you know, hopefully United can can continue. With this, the similar pattern that they've done in, in the mid, and certainly in the games against uh, St Johnston and Rangers, and and snuff Hearts out, and that's what you're going to have to do because Hearts do pose an attacking threat. You've got you know the likes of Liam Boyce up there and a few other few others of note who can stick the ball away. But if Dundee United can sort of cope with that and, and and maybe keep their fans quiet as well, and then look to look to their own men McNulty and and, and Clark, you know, there's nothing to say that United can't be sitting on nine points on come the come the end of the game. And it's great to see uh, travelling supporters back again. It feels like oh, we're get, yeah. getting back to back to normal. Obviously, United fans were very happy last week. Dundee uh, are heading away this weekend, uh, so we'll talk about the dark blues uh, in the next section. Yes, the the dark blues came from behind again to draw two two at Dens Park. It's can to be a bit of a bit of a habit now for uh, Dundee. Um, it's a really entertaining game. I was was there covering it as usual, uh, being the Dundee reporter. Um, Dundee played really well in the first half. Took the game to Ebbs, took the lead. Jason Cummings against his old team, um, and a questionable penalty uh, decision um, allowed Hibs back into the game, and then they took control in the second half before. Paul McGowan scored a late equaliser, uh, deserved result. I think in the end, Bear, what did you make of well that moment when McGowan scored? And obviously, it's, <laughs> his his celebration was was something else. Yeah, it was, it, it was, and uh, I think I read his quotes. It was worth a yellow card, and that's typical of, of Paul McGowan. Although I've got to say, you could do himself a real injury climbing into the. <laughs> The south enclosure and putting his feet up, you know, on the, on the metal hoardings and trying to climb over them, you, you know. So, uh, but no, it was great. I mean, it was, a, and I think, you know, although 
you know, Hibs had dominated the second half and really should have put the, the game to bed with Jamie Murphy. I think over the piece, I think Dundee probably merited it for their start to the yeah, game when they could have really been a couple of goals up. They started really, really well and, and, and created quite a few chances. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Hibs goalkeeper, that you know, it, it could have been quite easily been two or three, nothing up at, at one point. But then, as, as is always going to be the case, you look at Hibs' team. And they're a terrifically well-balanced side. I do think that they offer teams chances and, and that's probably the reason why you know Dundee got back into the game and managed to get a couple of goals. But um, they're, they're certainly an, an exciting side to watch. Even even without Christian Dodge and you know Kevin Nisbet wasn't playing, but James Scott came in and did a very good job. And he looks he looks a player. And it's you know I know that Dundee United were interested in him. And that's probably one that got away from Dundee United. Um, no, it was good. Uh, it was good from a Dundee perspective. What I'm seeing in a Dundee team now is the, the games they've played, the, certainly, you know, obviously take Celtic out of the equation, but the, the three games they've played against Premier opposition this season, uh, St Mirren, Motherwell and now Hibs, Dundee look as though they're competing in games. They don't look out mm-hmm. of place in the Premier League. There's been times in the past when Dundee have been promoted and they've come up and they've looked a wee bit off it. But I don't see that with this Dundee team now. They, they, they seem to be a match for these sort of teams, and that can only bode well for for what lies ahead. I know it is early days, but on on uh, Sunday against Hibs, they showed it. You know, defensively, um, again, they, they were solid against a Hibs side who are you know flying down both wings. You know, they're a handful for most opposition. And although the lost two goals, I think Dundee coped to them quite well. Obviously, one of them was a penalty. Um, I think, unfortunately for Dundee, uh, as I say, Dundee started the game well. Hibs came more into it without looking like doing anything. Hibs were trying to play across their back line and pass their way through, but Dundee were coping with that quite well. But the goal that Dundee actually lost, it was just a big launch up the park, you know, from from someone in the back line. And uh, unfortunately, Christy Elliott gets on the wrong side of Jamie Murphy and he doesn't really know where Jamie Murphy is. That's Mm. the big problem for Christy Elliott. But Jamie Murphy knows where Christy Elliott is, and as like every good striker, as the ball's coming over, if you watch it closely, uh, Jamie Murphy actually halts his run, and that forces Christy Elliott into the back of him. Now, it might have been, I think it's the, the initial contact is, is slightly yeah. outside the box, but it was, it's, yeah, so, it it's so tight, so tight, George, for the referee to make that call. I mean, you know, and, and the penalty was given. Unfortunately for Dundee, that knocked the wind out of their sails a wee bit, and Hibs came more into it in, in the second half. And they'll be disappointed with the second goal they lost from a set piece. Dundee, um, I know Big Ashcroft's been scoring goals from set pieces, but it was him that lost Ryan Portis mm. in the box. And fair play to the, the big man; he, he stuck it away well. You know, volley for a centre half is never easy. He put it in the corner, and as I say, Hibs had that chance to win the game with Murphy. But credit to Adam Legsdens. Uh, for for making pulling off a great save, that's all he can do. Get himself across that goal from front post to back post. Unfortunately, uh, Murphy gave him gave him a chance to save it, but he was there and he keeps it out, and it gives Dundee a chance a, a chance going into the last fifteen minutes. And who should pop up? <laughs> yeah, no, couldn't be anyone else. None other than Paul McGowan. I'm glad to say that you know we spoke about this uh, you know a, a few weeks back about Charlie Adam and Paul McGowan in the same team and and, and how that you know. <laughs> impacts on the legs that Dundee have got the energy that Dundee have got in the team and I think you're going to see that more and more often it'll be one or the other but that's no bad thing because I think it protects both players going forward you're not wanting anybody you're not wanting Charlie Arden burning, burning out in 90 minutes and, and, and pulling things and doing uh, doing himself an injury or similarly with Paul McGowan but they're two great players to have on the park at certain times mm. and McGowan did that fair play to obviously Paul McMullen gets, gets credit for the cross in the box but I think you've got to look at the actual 
where it all started. And it starts with a throw-in. And if you look at it, it's Declan McDade who has actually come on as a substitute and the ball goes out of play. But Declan McDade, everybody's sleeping apart from Declan McDade and, and Paul McMullen. And McDade runs very quickly to take a quick throw. And that allows McMullen to get the ball, get it under control. I think he does really well to sidestep a man in the middle of the park and put in a, a terrific cross. And, you know, everybody says that Paul McGowan just has the header, but it's a cute little header beyond the keeper. He doesn't have to doesn't have to force it. And he just places it away from him. And, you know, and if, before you're aware that our, yeah, our Paul McMullen is is uh, in amongst the <laughs> amongst the fans in the south enclosure. <laughs> and as, as, Alan, as Alan touched on with... Uh, uh, Peter Paul, you know, it's maybe not the best thing to do during these COVID COVID times, but yeah, you know, that that's football for him. And it was, it was good to see, as Paul uh, McGowan said, you know, it was he, he was quite happy to take take the booking for, for that one. Yeah. I don't think there was any doubt whatsoever he went off the park, George. I don't think. <laughs> but over a piece... <laughs> I know, it, 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 yeah, he didn't hide it very well, did it? Right. No, over a piece, it was it was a good two points for, for Dundee to, to take on and, and, you know, and move on into the next game, which is uh, at Fir Park on Saturday. It, it does feel like you're saying about defensively. Uh, it does feel like they're not too far away if they can. No, I don't think so. If they can stop giving away penalties, which is hmm. they've conceded a penalty in each game so far. Yeah, but George, you know what? I think that's 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 going to be the big interesting one at Motherwell on Saturday. First thing is when are Motherwell going to get their penalty, and the second thing is when is Charlie Adam going to get booked? Because these things happen in every single game yes. at this point in time. You know, so well, they've also had two red cards <laughs> in three games, so. <laughs> <laughs> you but, know what? Um, you mean anybody looking at Dundee? You, you mean if you're looking at just at the cards, you'd be going, "Oh, they're they're a, they're a bunch of choppers." But as, nothing could be further from the truth. To be perfectly honest, it's yeah. just just the way they're stacking up at the moment. <laughs> uh, and kind of looking from the outside, Alan. Obviously, Dundee played in the league. Uh, Hibs, Celtic, and Samaritan. That's two of the last season's top three, and Samaritan were what a goal away from. Top six and got a couple of se- cup semi-finals last season. Uh, good side up. coming away from those three with two points. First three games of the season. How do you assess that? It's solid, I think. As as Bear alludes to, I think the most heartening thing is there's been no sense of being out of depth. Uh, you know, it's it's games that they've been aside from Celtic. Obviously, they're they're games that Dundee have largely been in, and Celtic on current form are pretty um, irresistible just at the moment at home so I don't think there's any reason to worry about that but so I think it's solid but I also think that once the novelty of competing well and these occasions with fans of being back in the premiership eventually that will wear off and the fans will go right now where does the first one come from mm-hmm. you know because that's that's the next step you know they're back in the premiership um, competing well, but now that needs to become a win. And you look at their next couple of games and Motherwell, Livingston, and then you've got the Derby. And, and so you're coming, you know, you're you're having a wee look at that in terms of their league fixtures and thinking at least, at least you be home at Livingston. You know, you need to be looking to win that, potentially looking to get a draw against a Motherwell team that have been up and down this season, and then the Derby's MDs. So, it's you know, it's it's been positive. Um, it's been heartening to this point, despite not getting a win on the board. But I think you look at the fixture list now, and you start to say, right, let's get the wins on the board. Definitely, I, th- I think that's particularly when these next next two Motherwell and Levy are the two teams that you'd expect to be in and around the the area. Dundee will be fighting, and as you say with the Derby, after that they they definitely want a win on the board before. Derby time comes. Um, they've obviously been struggling with 
I've had injuries and stuff, and COVID keeps popping up. Um, obviously, I had another two cases uh, announced just before the game on Sunday. So we wish the, the two first team players uh, the best of health. I uh, understand one of them's feeling pretty poorly. Uh, other one has has been okay. Um, whether they're back for next week is going to be touch and go. I think. Um, it all depends on when their first symptoms came or when their first test was was taken, and then when they can, if they're obviously if they're fit to return, and then when they're available. Uh, so I think it, whether they're back for for more will be uh, touch and go. As I say, um, obviously missing Danny Mullen for a long time. They're hoping that Cami Care and Killian Sheridan might be back for available uh, once more for the trip to. To Fur Park, um, yeah, there's going to be a big away crowd going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dundee have sold their initial allocation; they've asked yeah. for more tickets. Um, how are you feeling about it? Obviously, beating Motherwell a couple of weeks ago gives confidence, yeah. um, but it's going to be different heading away from home, isn't it? Yeah, as Alan said, there is a novelty factor at the moment. You know, being back in the in the, in the top flight, and Dundee fans are buying into that, and there, there, there will be. I would think, I would expect, you know, over a thousand Dundee fans through for Park on on Saturday. Um, the way the ticket sales are going at, at this point in time, and that certainly helps. That that helps helps the team. But it's a Motherwell side that should not be underestimated. You know, they got a win at the weekend there, and uh, you know, well, Dundee did well against them in the in the couple a couple of weeks ago. Things can change over the course of a fortnight, and you know, Motherwell will be looking. They'll be looking at Dundee. If you're a Motherwell fan, you're looking at Dundee coming up and they'll be saying exactly the same thing on their mm. podcast. I'm sure yeah. Dundee coming up, we're looking for three points this week, you know, to get get ourselves uh, further up the table. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Obviously, Dundee, we've touched on, the, you know, that you've mentioned the players, obviously, their COVID hit with a couple of first-team guys. You've mentioned guys like Danny Mullen, Cami Kerr, you know, Killian Sheridan, all struggling. There's also, I mean... Um, Liam Fontaine went off, George. I don't know if you can give us an update on him, uh, how he is. But I mean, he shouldn't be sort of holding his his hamstring at the end of the game on on uh, mm. on Sunday. I don't know if there's anything that we need to be concerned about there. But uh, I think that's there's just a, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. There's, there's been no update on, on no. That, that front. No. It feels like Fontaine. I think Dundee fans know that's that's going to be. Yeah, something that seems to happen. With it, yeah, with and I think I think the one thing they do say, I think there's an understanding between Liam Fontaine and, and the, the Dundee physio staff. As soon as he feels anything whatsoever, yeah. and they make the right move straight away, he's off the park. They don't aggravate it. They don't pull it. You know, he's just off. And hopefully, you know, he seemed to be all right going off, but he must have felt something uh, there. So because. I've got to say, I think he's a real settling influence in that back line. I love Lee Ashcroft, you know, his aggressiveness, his, you know, his ability to get goals as well, you know, from set <laughs> plays. But I think Fontaine glues it all together on both sides of the park as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good game. But Dundee can go there with confidence. As I say, this season, the change in Dundee, you know, it goes back to probably the transfer window last season when they were able to bring in, you know, Paul McMullen, McMullen um, I certainly think he he has he's given them a different dimension. Paul McMullen, he's he gets him up the park because he's a guy you know he's got he's got pace, he's got ability, he's got terrific energy, he's got he's got the heart of a lion. And you just you sometimes ask yourself, 
why did Dundee United, you know, actually let him go? I mean, because I think he, when he's got, when you've got those sort of attributes, now no player can be at 100% every week. But what we've seen from Paul McMullen over the last six months at Dens has been fantastic. Hmm. And now they've got, they've, so that was that was that side of the park taken care of. But they've now added on the other side. of you, You're looking at a guy like, uh, McCowan, Luke McCowan and, and, and Max Anderson as well coming in so it's given them drive and energy to get up the park they now look as though in games in the past with Dundee going back you know a year ago they would struggle to actually even in the championship to create a lot of opportunities but I think this Dundee team they certainly are going to get opportunities I mean you've got a guy like Jason Cummins in there you know he'll, he'll get you goals we've seen that He's, he, he, he can score goals at this level so you know I think Dundee can go with confidence but you know, a, a cautious optimism, I would say. You know, let's, let's just let's just wait and see, and hopefully, you know, they can avoid any giving away any penalty kicks or having any, <laughs> anybody sent off. That would certainly help. That would certainly help so. matters, George. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, just quickly, uh, rattle through some news on the transfer front that they've got uh, former Rangers and St. Mirren uh, fullback Lee Hodson on on trial. They're looking to uh, improve their options. At, Right back, but he can play on the left as well. Um, seems like a, a good fit to me. Very experienced, got quality. Um, I've, uh, my information is he's been looking good. Uh, so we'll wait and see and what happens with that. Um, there's some sad news if, if nobody's seen the story about um, Gordon Wallace uh, being diagnosed with uh, dementia following Dennis Law last week. Um, obviously, very. Um, Dundee legend, really. I mean, I'll, I'll rattle through some numbers here: two hundred sixty-eight appearances, one hundred twenty goals. Manager for a couple of years. He's sixth in the all-time scoring list. I mean, it's really oh, and a great servant to, to football and the yeah. city in general. He had a spell at United as well, you know, in, in the team and on the on the coaching side of things as well. So, yeah, it's, it's really really sad news to hear. And I, and I saw that the article in the Evening Telegraph, and and. The interesting thing for me was, I mean, obviously Gordon is is, is obviously, you know, telling everybody about his illness, but, you know, he, he's still sort of saying that he wouldn't have given, he, he knows yeah. he, that back in the day, you know, they were, they were heading the ball all the time, but he says, even if he knew then what we know now about dementia, he still wouldn't have given up his career, you know, to, you know, for you know, to find himself yeah. in, in this state now. And I think I think it's one of these ones, George, it's, it's a balancing act. You know, we'll look at dementia and how it affects people in the in the in their old days, but how do we stop, you know, kids from 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 sort of doing themselves any harm, but at the same time still allow them to, to develop as footballers, uh, you know, and, and, and go on to be players like Gordon Wallace, you know. How do we how do we keep that sort of line going without without hampering it? So no, we wish him well. We wish Gordon Wallace well. You know, he was a terrific servant to Dundee and and obviously Dundee United as well. Yeah, we all wish him wish him the the best of health going forward. Um, that's all we've got for Dundee this week. Uh, we're running out of time a wee bit, so next section we'll just have a quick look at the the Scotland squad and see what we think of that. Uh, the Scotland squad is announced this week for. Games against away to Denmark, home to Moldova, away to Austria. Um, we've only got a few minutes, but Alan, what, what were your initial uh, take on the, on the? So there's a few. So it's a wee bit new look, but it's still kind of quite the same as well. What was your your first take out of that? 
it's evolution rather than revolution, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, not to to step on the toes of our sister title down at the Courier, but you know, Xander you can do Clark that all you want, the, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> Xander Clark is the one that stands out massively. It's um, richly merited call up, probably slightly um, after time um, in terms of uh, how long he's been deserving of that recognition and absolutely delighted for for him. Um, it's kind of crazy that it's taken this long for the, the team that won a cup double to have any sort of international recognition for Scotland. Um, so belated but positive and hopefully he goes and makes a good impact because see, once you're in the group, you know, I, I remember I was covering Hibs when a young John, McGl- uh, John McGinn went to, uh, it was a shock call up for um, Gordon Strachan international team and he did a couple of things uh, during that international trip daft things things like uh, he carried a few bags uh, himself <laughs> rather than got other people rather than other people being allowed to carry the bags um which apparently really really made a good impression on Gordon and yeah. he was a he was you know that spoke to his character and his personality and Gordon loved him from that point onwards and he was a big part of the Scotland setup now not advising Xander to just go about carrying folks bags um to try and make his impact <laughs> but it just goes to show once you're in the group you can make an impact in whatever way you like and um I hope he goes and enjoys it and um yeah, it does well. Glad to, good to see Lewis Ferguson in there as well. I was really impressed when, uh, when I covered Aberdeen against Dundee United. I think he gets better and better and is another player with a really bright future. And Bear, what's, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, first of all, congratulations to Xander Clark. It is, it is richly deserved that you know he's been given a, a call, although I do think that as time, you know, we'll see Craig Gordon's international career resurrected over the next few games. Um, and it's no bad thing as well because he's a, he's a top keeper as well. Elsewhere in the team, it'll be interesting to see similar, similar, similar pool, obviously, to the, the one that went to the Euros. Um be interesting to see if he's going to, you know, build around Billy Gilmore, as a lot of people would like like him to do, you know. But Billy Gilmore still got, I think Billy Gilmore still got a bit of a development to do himself. And you see some of the names that are in there, you know, Kerry McLean, John McGinn, Ryan Christie, Turnbull, uh, McGregor, you know, it's going to be tough. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, uh, Steve Clark does. Uh, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's going to be a hard run, hard run of games we've got coming up. So we just need to keep ourselves in with a chance of qualifying. Also, Denmark, and you know, it's, it's tough, it's a tough set of games coming up, you know, for for Scotland. But uh, now the, the squad still looks strong, and, and Steve Steve Clark's built a you know a group mentality, a team, you know, like. A, a, a domestic team, man, not an international, international team mentality, a, a domestic team mm. mentality. And I think that's what he's, he's trying to harbour here. So they should, they should all be, you know, well-versed in what each other are good at. So hopefully they can they can keep it going, from, you know, the feel-good factor going in the nation because we want to get back to, you know, we want to be involved in these sort of tournaments all the time, not just every 20 years. And in terms of the group, uh, Scotland are sitting second on five points, four behind Denmark, who obviously we play next. A uh, point ahead of Israel and Austria. Uh, these three games, Denmark away, Moldova at home, Austria away, very quickly before we finish. Alan, how many points are we going to get? Oh, crikey. Um, let's <laughs> yeah. be let's be wildly positive and say four. Denmark will <laughs> hammer us, um, or get a point against Austria, and we'll, uh, we'll wreck Moldova. Why not? <laughs> uh, and Bear, are you going to be wildly more positive? Well, I'll not. I've actually been wildly, wildly positive, dearie me. We don't like you seeing being pessimistic. We're uh, Scottish, pair. We're Scottish. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I'll go. I'll go before as well, and I think that wouldn't be a bad turn from the games. 
Right, well, I'll, I'll go for six points. Why not? Let's go. Let's go for that. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, uh, we'll have to pack up now. We're run out of time. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much, boys, for for coming on. And we'll speak to you again next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>